Welcome, Main Street Youth. Bravo Youth, how are we doing? Very well, I'm assuming. I assume they're doing very well. <laughs> I was so tempted as we started this to be like, what's up? What's up? No one's done that since the 90s. So There was there was a professor who did that the beginning of every day of class, and someone got these videos and compiled them. There's this uh, guy calmly walking in the class and I screaming, what's up? Oh, no, I saw it was this professor. He was walking in every class, and he's like, hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hello. Like the same tone every day, yes, right? the same tone, different outfit. Like the whole every day of the week. I love those compilations. Oh, they're so good. I actually just downloaded TikTok, so I've been wow going through. Welcome. Oh, I say welcome. I'm not there to welcome you. <laughs> on, on I walked into a room and you weren't in it, so <laughs> I was not there. Yeah, no, I don't think I. I don't think I have what it takes. Right. Yeah, I, I'm uh, intimidated just to be in this room of all these very creative, 30 second video people, but. It's tough. It takes a special type of creativity or yes. great dance moves. Yeah. And both of those are not my wheelhouse. So <laughs> I'll just, I'll leave that one to the pros. Right. Um, I did see something awesome on the internet this week. John Krasinski started his own news network called oh, Some Good News. I loved that. That I You actually shared it on your Instagram. That's how I saw it. No way. It was one of the best. What did, what did you like about it? Uh, honestly, I love The Office. Like it just, I feel like I was part of the office. So when they show the behind the scenes of like uh, Michael Scott and Jim, like just back and forth, I, I just thought it was so cool to see behind the scenes. Like they just had the best time on the show. Well, and they brought up that ending scene when Michael was quitting and Jim was trying not oh, to say goodbye. So good. Oh man. It was like just a clip about the clip. I know. And I started getting sad. That's honestly how I feel every time you leave my house. i'll come back and say goodbye tomorrow thank you (laughs) um i also love the fact that the logo was drawn by john's daughters i know so good i guess if if you guys don't know what we're talking about john krasinski was uh still is an actor who played jim in the office he also uh wrote and directed and starred in a quiet place he's done a bunch of other things too i think he's in i look for his movies i love them what's that one called jack ryan or something oh, like that. Yeah, Tom Clancy. Tom Clancy. I don't know. Maybe we're just making up yeah. white men's names, but I, <laughs> I think it's a show that he's in. Joe <laughs> I Brown, I think. <laughs> he's, he's in. He's in Mike Smith. I was gonna say Smith has to yeah. be Smith. Michael W. Smith, the movie. <laughs> um, something of that sort. Uh, I haven't seen it, so if it's if it's horrible, you didn't hear it from me. You know what? In that in that video, uh, there was that lady who the young girl who yeah. survived chemotherapy and there was this welcome committee of her driving home. How heartwarming was that? Uh, and you know, there was that same thing happened, not the same thing, but a variation of that here in Chilliwack. No way. Um, one of our kids at main street had a birthday. And yeah. so in the Chilliwack progress, if you look it up, they actually starred, uh, his name is Jasper had his birthday and they socially distanced themselves and had a parade to no celebrate way. their birthday. It was so cool. That is unbelievable. I love that. I love to see creative ways oh, people that people bring together. joy. It's so good. Oh, there's a thing. Every every night at seven, you like go out and you make a lot of noise. And I live in this complex. You guys can't see it, but I'm actually pointing it to Zach. Uh, I can see it. <laughs> it's a complex. We have all these porches and we all face each other. It's like this U of condos. So we all go out at seven and yell at the top of our lungs. And I'm getting to know my neighbors. Now, what Brock's not sharing with you guys, uh, if, you've, if you guys have seen the videos, like in Vancouver, there's tons of people you can hear it from miles away. Now, when Brock says that 
everyone in his complex goes out. He means that him and Kirst go out <laughs> and yell <laughs> by themselves. Oh, we're I've, starting a movement. I've been here at seven before, and he was banging a pot with a wooden spoon, <laughs> yelling, this one's for the first responders. But it was you guys at first, but after a while, right. a lot of people started coming out, and you've got to know your neighbors through this. Yeah. It, it was, it's sweet. There's a dude right across uh, the way that looks my age, and we bring out the same size pot. And <laughs> we just lock eyes every time. It's a beautiful experience. That's amazing. Yeah. That that reminds me. I mean, not that this would happen in, in this scenario. It just reminded me of something. Uh, there was this YouTuber in New York who was taking pictures of people on their rooftops, just trying to show that like life is still going on. So there's like people playing cello on the roof or people doing their workouts or whatever, right. people reading books on the on the roof. And then he sees this girl like hanging out on her roof and he's like, man, she looks like an adorable girl. And he flies his drone over with his number on it no and way. lands it beside her. And he's like, he's, he's vlogging this whole thing. He's like, I've never done something like this before. This is so funny. He flies it over while she messages him and they go out and have dinner together by both having dinner on their roofs and like waving Dude, and FaceTiming. This is the millennial version of David and Bathsheba. <laughs> if David had... A drone. And, and self-control. <laughs> and self-control. <laughs> Maybe the complete opposite. I think they've each stayed on their own roofs. <laughs> We're leaving this in the podcast. Yeah, I love that. Oh, man. Man, all of that from birthday parties. And, and speaking of birthday parties, I feel like we keep saying speaking of. It almost makes it sound like we've planned this elaborate chain. Right. Uh, but most of this is just stuff we want to talk about right now. <laughs> Um, but speaking of, of birthday parties, there's one more birthday party that's going to happen each year in the Broadway youth family, uh, because Jeff and Megan Jans gave birth to a healthy and beautiful baby girl named Arwen Dove the other day. Um, we were on a, a zoom chat with the youth group and we got to meet Arwen and she is adorable. That is awesome. So big answer to prayer that, uh, that delivery happened and Megan and Jeff are doing well and Arwen's big sister scout and big brother Piper are so proud and um we're happy for them so we just wanted to say our congratulations and if you haven't heard yet now you've heard the family is one bigger awesome so we mentioned before in the podcast that we would be having a guest yes we are uh this guest goes way back to different points of zach and i's life grade nine for me mostly our most embarrassing points of life and her name is holly mclean she's a youth pastor at ross road in abbotsford, abbotsford. Jinx. You owe me a soda. Dang it. <laughs> I can't even drink it because we're fasting. Yeah, if we're, a little, if we're a little sloppy today, it's because Brock and I are both a little spacey due to hunger. Yeah. But you know what's so funny? As we were preparing for this uh, podcast, um, we kind of wanted to, I don't know, we, we kind of came to the same like idea but separate times. And we both ended up in Ephesians chapter four, Ephesians. Ephesians. <laughs> now he's thinking of Cheez-Its. I know. I just <laughs> the guy's got food on his mind. I know. Guys, pray for me. No, it's funny though, because we, we have a document that we share where we go in there and just throw our ideas. And then we kind of from there craft an episode and a flow. Um, but we'd both been taking some notes on our phones and in our, in our reading. And then when we sat down to talk it out, Bro, I really think we should do Ephesians 4. And we had both come to that conclusion. So we're excited to break that down. And it ties in really well with what Holly said she wanted to share to encourage us. Yeah. So we're excited for today. So to open up Ephesians chapter 4, um, 
It goes like this, uh, the very first verse, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. And kind of the question that comes right out to me is, what does worthy of your calling mean? That is a great question. Thank you. (laughs) And especially for me, when I first became a Christian, I was like always going through and Paul I, I even just did a, a like a count now, so it's not the official number, but at least seven times in all of his letters brings up this idea of being worthy of your calling. And what does that mean? And does that mean being a pastor? Does that mean being a missionary? Does that mean being on stage and kind of having the spotlight? Um, and that to me, I, I had to wrestle with that because there's sometimes in life we idolize certain positions and God might be calling us to different, like he might be calling us to be a welder. He might be calling us to be a nurse or a doctor. And it's really important for us to wrestle with what does it mean to be worthy of that calling and what, like, are we getting too focused on the wrong thing? And it's actually a great question to ask and one that gets answered a little later on in the same passage. Because like you said, sometimes there's certain jobs or certain callings that we think are the good ones, the godly ones, and then others are just kind of uh, settling. And we'll get into that a a little bit more later on. Uh, But in verse 11, it says, These are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So when it says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, it actually tells us right there that they're not the only or even the primary people counted on to do God's work. And that is something that is a little bit different in our culture today uh, than the standard the Bible sets for us. And that's something that Brock and I wanted to point out because sometimes that belief can sneak in. Maybe it has for you, maybe it hasn't, but it certainly is alive in our culture that um, pastors, worship leaders, missionaries are the holy people, the most spiritual, the most spiritual doing God's work. And then there's everybody else and they can maybe chip in by, you know, volunteering here and there, or tithing a bit or joining a Bible study and kind of do a, do a small, small bit. Um, unlike these, these holy people who are called to do God's work. Um, but what this verse says kind of between the lines, when it says these people um, their role is to equip God's people to do his work. So what you're saying is essentially our role is to step into the background. The role of a pastor. Yeah. And yeah. pushing the saints into the gifts that God has given them, whether that be uh, playing music, uh, really good at technology, really good at um, different aspects that we just champion them in that direction. Absolutely. <laughs> um, oh, that was really good. I had something I wanted to say, and I just oh, uh, I I was trying to read your eyes, like, oh, are you going to keep going? But no, I, I was like, I thought you were going to keep going. I, I know, and then I was ready. like, I I don't know if I am. <laughs> I started so a sentence. I have no idea when it's going to finish. That's okay. Do you want to take it from the start of that last sentence? Yes, which was champion them. Yeah, I'll go back from that. What did that start with, dude? So nice to have a full stomach when you're doing one of these things. I know. 
Seriously. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and it is our job to champion young people to equip the saints to go into their field that they feel gifted in and and not force them into a field that they might feel pressured in yeah and the bible doesn't say that you know become a pastor and then you could do the good work the pastor says that you help everyone else do the good work um so that tells us that any job any vocation any calling is one that that can glorify God, that can be beneficial to your community, that can build the kingdom of God. And this belief that to be a pastor or a worship leader or a missionary is the only way to do that is something that isn't communicated in the Bible, uh, but has been communicated by our culture. So there's lots of things we can do that bring glory to God. There's actually a very small percentage of people that are called to be pastors, and they're they're important. Um just pumping my own tires here, you know, just super important yeah, people. Super great. <laughs> super important. Super great. Pray for your pastors. Pray for your pastors. Um, you know, it, it is an important role, but it's a very small percentage of us. Now, does that mean that only a small percentage of us are called to to know God and make him known? Absolutely not. We are all called to be followers. We're all called to be examples. Anyone who's in Christ, anyone who's created, actually, which is all of us are an image bearer of God. You're someone who represents God to the world because you were created to be like him. And that is beautiful. And then there's a, a small group, a small percentage of those people who are um, set aside to help people realize that. Right. Not to do the good work for them, not to be the people who do good work. And what we see here is that pastors, worship leaders, etc., they're not the most important Christians. They actually support the most important Christians. Yeah, so a certain couple gifts end up getting emphasized and are kind of maybe front and center more often, even in a literal sense. If you go to church, the people you see on the stage are often worship leader, a pastor. They're, they're more visible in our culture when we think of a, you know, a, a godly person. I bet if you were to go on Family Feud and say, uh, we're looking for godly people, and Steve Harvey goes up there and he's like, okay, right family. <laughs> Give me an example of a godly person. You know, they're going to say characters from the Bible and then they're going to say pastors. Yeah. Or they're going to say priests. Um, but it, this verse in Ephesians sets us straight that, right. that these people are to be the supports to the holy people. They're the supports to the people building God's kingdom. They are not the only or even primary people building God's kingdom, which is awesome news for any of you who have ever felt guilty or pressured because you want to do a different job and someone has made you feel like that's less. Yeah, I know. Even in my life, I when I look back, so a number of years ago, I started this, uh, I call it a miracle journal, but that sounds so weird, but it would just be like a book where I record everything that the Lord did, like cool stories that if he didn't do it, I don't know where I'd be. And I remember when I was in missions, I, I was living off support. And so I didn't have an income and I, I was walking through this TJ Maxx and I saw this like skinny jeans, camo pants. And I was like, in that moment, I was like, God, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Cause I just want to buy these pants, but I don't have money for it. Like simple moments of like, I don't think I can do it. And a couple of weeks go by and a friend of mine who is not a pastor, is not a, a, you know, a worship leader or someone who you would assume is very, very spiritual, 
just was walking through that same TJ Maxx and said, bro, I felt the Lord say to buy you these pants. And they were the exact pants that I needed, uh, not needed, just wanted. It was one of those weird moments where the Lord like stepped in, used someone, one of the saints to just encourage me to keep going and say, you can still do this because we're, we're together. We're, we're unified. We're part of the same team. We're all one family. And that, that gets expressed in Ephesians as well. If we were to keep on reading that, although we have different skills and different abilities, we have one Lord, we have one baptism, we have one faith and we're working towards one goal and we are a team. Um, and, and it's even just in a practical sense, a society full of, you know, a bunch of people all doing one job would absolutely fall apart. One of the beautiful things that's happening in the midst of this crisis is people who don't always get celebrated or appreciated are being recognized for just how important and essential they are to make things run. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier about the the healthcare providers, the nurses and doctors, but also we're seeing grocery store workers appreciated. And in this time, it's it's so evident how important they are to a society, but they've always been extremely important. Yeah, so it would be so silly to look down on someone just because their job, their role is different because they're all so essential. Um, I don't know if I, I, I don't think I've met a pastor who would look down on other people for not being pastors, but you know, how, how crazy would that be if, you know, it was expected that everyone would be is like, okay, well, where are you where are you going to buy your food? What are you going to do when you break your leg? What are you going to do when your car breaks down? Like the highway that you're driving on, who made that? Are those things not incredibly important? Are those things not a reflection of God's nature and, and a beautiful act of service and a beautiful act of worship? Anything done, um, anything done uh, excellently, anything done with a whole heart, anything done um, as an act of service to a community with focus on God, is an act of worship and it's building his kingdom and we need all of these different things to happen. So whatever your, your area of skill is, your area of interest is, it's valuable. It's valid. Um, and sometimes in, in church or in youth group, it can get communicated as though there's these certain jobs that will be really proud of you if you do them. And if you do other ones, we'll just call you and make sure you're still okay. Based on what we've read in Ephesians, I don't think that's um, fair or accurate. Um, I love, I love even in the old Testament, when you look back and you see, uh, when God was wanting Moses or anyone to, to build the temple, he gifted people with the ability to, um, create like art tapestries, all these different things. And that's just not the picture that we see all throughout scripture, that God is very, very concerned with every aspect of life and giving people gifts to bless people in different ways. And Ephesians just has such a beautiful way of saying, hey, we all matter. We all are a part of this. We all have this call, and that is to make Jesus famous, to glorify God with our lives. And we all have an opportunity to do that regardless of what our job is. Now, when it comes to education, there's a whole ton of different opportunities that are great. I know as you guys graduate, some of you are going to go to university and do a, a four-year degree or a master's program or a certificate. Um, some of you guys will go into trades programs. Some of you might start your own business and freelance. Uh, and some of you, Bible school might be a great option. And our guest today, Holly, uh, went to Bible school. She actually went to Bible school with Brock. That's where they met. And Bible school is something that has been very valuable and helpful for 
um, for Brock, for Holly, and for a bunch of your youth leaders. Um, I personally haven't been, but I would love to one day. I think it'd be great. Um, so we wanted to have Holly share a little bit about her experience and, and just let you know what that option looks like, not as the only option, but as a great option. Holly, welcome to the New Normal Podcast. Thanks for having me. It is so good to have you. We're glad you're here. So both of us have known Holly for quite some time. She's become a dear friend to both of us, someone who brings us so much encouragement. And I feel like I can speak for both of us in saying that we feel like we know God a little bit better because we know Holly. Um, (laughs) That's so nice. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, it's true. It's true. You represent him well. And um, you're actually the person who taught me Jackbox games for the first time. Wow. So I owe you that. Um, You also have a floral business on top of being a youth pastor, which I think is so cool. You make these beautiful floral arrangements. You made me uh, one to give to my mom last year for Mother's Day. She Mm. actually did the flowers at my wedding. That's right. Yeah. And it was incredible. Tell us a little bit. Tell us a little bit about that. What made you want to do that? Yeah. So the flower business is called What Incarnation? And um, yeah, it's something like flowers have always been something that I've been like interested in and passionate about. And so I had a friend in college um, ask me to do their flowers and I felt really like I didn't know what I was doing, but my mom had always done that. And so I had asked her to kind of help me with that. And so we did that wedding together. She did most of it, but um, watching her and kind of being a part of that, it made me really excited about the possibility of doing that on my own. So I had to go, uh, I, I got asked to do a wedding in Ontario the next year. And so I thought, okay, I actually have to learn how to do this if I'm going to do it solo. So I did that and I just had the time of my life. And um, it's just such a cool thing to like be a part of somebody's most like important day. And it's a really, it's just such a cool thing. Uh, and I think also like for any pastors who might be listening, I think it's so important to have something else on the side of pastoring because sometimes ministry if it's the only thing that we have going on in our lives um it can it can become overwhelming and i think it's i think it's really healthy to have something on the side of working ministry so ministry doesn't just become your entire life i think it's really uh it can be really healthy to have something um and like some kind of creative outlet that you can pour into on the side of that and i think it can be really life-giving for you and i've noticed that for myself it's something that gives me a lot of life and uh yeah it's really fun i really love it how how cute was brock and curse wedding oh it was say something nice (laughs) oh my gosh it was yeah like at this camp and everybody just got to stay there like it was so fun a whole magical weekend these guys did a whole summer camp experience for their wedding it It was was, and they brought the best florist they, they sure did, yeah. <laughs> so, Holly, you are a youth pastor. Do you, do you love being a youth pastor? I love it. Like, it's actually crazy. I realized it over this, like, these last couple of weeks that I am so thankful that I have a job that I miss this much. I, like, obviously, I'm still working, but it just looks different, and I don't actually get to see my kids every week. And it just, yeah, it makes me really, really grateful that I have a job that I just get to miss this much. Man, that is so cool. And one thing that I, I loved when we went to Bible school together, it was very unique because you, you went, you were a pastor at a denomination that not necessarily um, acknowledged female pastors, Mm -hmm. but you were still so passionate about the youth and 
And I loved how no matter what your goal in life was to make Jesus famous to very, very broken teenagers. And Zach and I were talking earlier about how kind of this whole thing relates, whereas um, maybe a denomination didn't necessarily see um, the value, not so much the value, but um, the position as a female pastor. In the same sense, Zach and I were just just chatting about how some people don't necessarily see normal jobs as ministry. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about what your experience was like being a female um, in a denomination that didn't necessarily um, accept that? Yeah, so it was actually kind of a really interesting thing. I don't think our church had really had a conversation about what they thought about kind of women in Uh, pastoral roles at our church until I applied to be the youth pastor at Ross Road. So I actually went through uh, the whole process and they eliminated a lot of people and it came down to me and another person that were going to get the job. And I think at that point, um, that's when they said, oh, like we actually haven't evaluated what our stance is on women in ministry. So I actually think it was like a lot of because of me applying for this role that they ended up having that conversation. And so I guess at that point, like I didn't get the job at first because they said we haven't had this conversation yet. So we don't know how it would go if you went into this position. So that was a really big challenge for me because I had like prayed into it a lot. And I really felt that like, this is where I was supposed to be at this time in my life. And I felt really connected to these kids. Like this was my church that I had grown up in and I had done my internships there all throughout college. So it was kind of a really confusing and upsetting thing for me when I didn't get that job there at first. Um, but they actually ended up kind of bringing me back in later that like summer and asked me like if I wanted to come back kind of in an, like an intern role. And so that for me, basically I was doing the same job that I am now, uh, but just with a different title. And so that was kind of a really challenging thing for me because I had to ask like, okay, am I going to let a title stop me from doing the thing that I really love and I'm really passionate about? So I said yes. And I started working the job. And then throughout that year, that's when our church started having the conversation about what they felt about women in ministry. And so they actually, after about a year, they did come out and say that they do uh, want to have women as associate pastors and women to be elders as well, which we have now as well. Um, yeah, so I think it was a really cool thing to see our church actually have that conversation and just come out the other side. So I was uh, a really big part of that conversation. And uh, I'm just really thankful to be where we are as a church now. That's awesome, Holly. Thanks for, for sharing that. Now, there's a specific yeah. moment um, in that story that I want to hear a little bit more about because I imagine it'd be really challenging. A moment where you feel like you have a calling that you're passionate about and excited about. You feel like it makes sense when you read the word. You feel like it makes sense based on who you are and your life experience. Um, but then someone comes along and says, I don't think you can or, or I don't think you should. And there's this uncertainty of if it's going to be possible. Um, mm-hmm. What keeps you what keeps you focused or continuing on and pursuing that when someone says, I don't know if it's possible. Cause I I know I might be tempted to give up, you you know, it it takes Mm -hmm. a degree of putting yourself out there to say, I think I can do this job. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of a vulnerable position. And then someone comes and says, no, probably not. You know, 
where did that strength come from? What does that look like for you to continue pushing on? Yeah. So it was, it was definitely really like a really big challenge at first. Um, and I actually, when I, when they first said that I didn't get the job, there was a couple months in between when they asked me to come back and work in like an intern capacity. And during those months, um, I was pretty, I was pretty devastated. Um, cause I, I, yeah, I did feel really called to that position. And so I started looking for ministry at other churches because I thought, well, you know, I'm, God's calling me to be a youth pastor. Maybe that's not at this church, even though I'm feeling really strongly um, a big lean towards this church. But I started looking at other ministry positions, but it's really hard to get ministry positions when you don't really know existing kind of people in that congregation. Um, so I was looking for jobs and nothing really was, um, for one thing, nothing was open, but also nothing really felt right. Um, so yeah, during that month or those couple months, I was just working at Replay in Abbotsford and um, kind of just chilling a little bit but I, I had this sense that it was going to work out with Ross Road and it was weird because they weren't actively pursuing me at all and they were starting to have this conversation and I just had this like sense of peace that somehow it was going to work out so for a little bit I actually just stopped looking for ministry jobs and I was like I'm just going to work at the skate shop for a bit and then I just think that it's going to work out because I just had such a strong pull to Ross Road um, so yeah it was really difficult at first and especially coming out of Bible school and not getting a ministry job right away was really tough because that was something that I was kind of building my identity around. Um, and, you know, just leaving school, I could say, oh, I was a student. And then I could just go right to saying uh, I'm a youth pastor. But I just had those couple of months where I didn't really know how to identify myself. And um, that was a really big challenge for me as well. But um, yeah, God gave me a lot of peace about it. And I just, uh, I just waited. And it, it worked out in the end. And I'm, I'm so glad you did, because hearing about, um, you know, how satisfied you are and how excited you are about the job you're doing now, it makes me so glad that you did decide to wait and that yeah. God gave you that strength and that peace of mind to persevere. Because um, mm -hmm. I've, I've come to and attended some of your youth nights and, and met some of your kids, and I can tell what a great job you do of building community yeah. Of, of leading kids towards Jesus. So it was clearly worth the wait. Um, so I'm glad that you persevered. Um, yeah. One thing you mentioned in that story was spending some time at Bible school. Um, and we've mm -hmm. been talking a little bit about different jobs and education routes and stuff on the podcast. Tell us a little bit about Bible school. What is it like? You know, was it, was it a good decision to go as you look back? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, I think, yes, it was definitely a good decision to go. Um, I, yeah, I made some really good friends there, um, people that I'm still friends with now. And I worked under really great teachers, uh, especially my youth ministry professor. I learned a lot from him. And um, there's no doubt that I went through a lot of challenges and especially um, working at a Pentecostal or working at a Mennonite church and going to a Pentecostal school. There was definitely um, students who had kind of conflicting views around that. But I always felt really supported by the teachers and the staff, no matter what. So that was um, that was a really cool thing to kind of look back on. So even though I had challenges at Bible school with people, um, like I had really different opinions than so many of the people I went to school with. Um, so that was no doubt a challenge. But there's no way that I look back and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have gone to Bible school. Um, because I think it, yeah, I'm really thankful for the people that I met and for the skills that I got. And um yeah, overall, I'm, I'm glad I went. Right. That's awesome. Um, as we're like, 
kind of viewing this whole thing, what would be like, so your situation with uh, the church and everything, um, I would love to know if there was like a challenge to our youth or um, some word of encouragement. Um, what, what would be from your heart to our youth, uh, Main Street youth and Broadway youth, what would be the one thing that students might be at this point wrestling with the fact that, hey, I'm, I don't think I'm called to be a pastor does that mean I'm less like spiritual or less than someone who is, or um, what would be that challenge from you? Mm. Yeah. So that's a really, that's a really good question. And we've kind of talked about that a little bit here. Um, I would not say in any way that if somebody is called to be a pastor, that they're more of a Christian than somebody else. Um, no matter what we end up doing in our lives, like we all are responsible to the Great Commission, which is found in the book of Matthew. And it that says, go and make disciples of all nations. And that's a call for every single Christian. It's not just pastors. Um, so my job as a pastor is to make sure that whatever job you end up doing, um, that you know how to carry out the Great Commission yourself and that you're going to reach others to end up following Christ as well. So. Yeah, I think there's opportunity for um, evangelism, reaching people for Christ in any job that you end up doing. It definitely doesn't have to be just a pastoral role. That is uh, so cool to hear, especially knowing the story of like knowing you in Bible school and knowing um, the disappointments that you faced um, with the Lord speaking to you and calling you to ministry and to make that um, the trajectory of your life is to show young people that, Hey, the Lord has a call on your life and that's to make him famous in yeah. whatever area that mm. you feel gifted or led towards. Um, mm -hmm. I, I just think that is so cool to see that you persevered through all of that. And that reminds me of a verse that actually we were just talking about in Esther uh, 4, verse 14. Do you have that handy? I do. Can you read that for us? I definitely can. You know what? This one's actually highlighted in my Bible. Oh, that's so awesome. So spiritual. Yeah. I, I do my best. Um, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. I love that. And that's been one of those, even like non-believers, that's been a, it's been like above like kitchen sinks and all these different like coffee yeah. mugs. And right beside the live, laugh, love poster. <laughs> for such a time as this. And what a challenge for our young people. And that's actually what you were saying to me is how how cool of a moment that, this generation was groomed for such a time mm -hmm. as this. Um, yeah, this generation knows kind of how to use like technology more than any of us do right now, for sure. Um, yeah, I've been struggling and technology has been failing me like every single day this week. It's That's really actually when I called you, you were trying to make a video yeah. <laughs> and you were like, <laughs> just so frustrated. And you're like, if one of my youth were here, they could do it in seconds. Exactly. Yeah. So you guys have been, uh, you've been ready for this. The youth of this next generation actually have been blessed with the opportunity to preach the gospel a lot louder than we can because mm -hmm. they're, they know the internet a lot better than we do. Yeah. 
And yeah, so that, that is such a cool, like verse, uh, and word from you, Holly, we're so thankful that you've given us the time of day to grace us with your presence. Zach and I are standing in the presence of greatness. Right on, Holly. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's nice to to catch up, and I'm pumped for our students to hear some of your wisdom and and hear some of your story and be encouraged by it. So thanks for for sharing with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So fun. Awesome. Well, we'll see you around. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> oh, that was so great. It's always so nice to talk to Holly. I know. It's like I love just hearing her story because it wasn't the easiest road to be where she is now. It was tough to watch in that period like as a friend you're like oh this is painful yeah to know that she was um she had a call and that she was so passionate about youth and that she just never gave up on she did she did not give up yeah which i honestly self-reflection i don't know how long i'd suffer through that and that was like a really humbling part of her story and even watching it where she's like yeah no this is my calling and i'm like man like that's so cool of you to continue to just know that and right. hold on and be like, this is who I am. If other people don't get it, they're missing it. Right. Um, I thought that was really cool. Her word about this next generation being perfectly formed and created. Those are weird words, but for this moment being so in tune with the internet and how, um, this is actually a great opportunity for us to be encouraging and life giving to the people around us because they know the venues, how to tell people that over through the internet. Yeah, it, it's actually really fun seeing different people get to have a chance uh, to lead and right. to show people how to do things. And this is how you set up a Zoom call or, yeah. you know, <laughs> even just the simple things like that, being able to help out and, and pitch in because these these skills and things that come naturally to some people are brand new to others. So right. it's a really cool time for that. Um, I saw a meme about it. It was like when you find out that your daily habits are considered self-isolation. Right. <laughs> your life doesn't change very much. People are like, what? I, I've, been doing, I've been doing this for years. <laughs> uh, that's so funny. Um, yeah, so to wrap up this um, this podcast, do you have a verse that we can wrap this uh, podcast up with? Yes, we were meeting as a youth group last night, and one of our students, Noah, shared this verse with us and read it to the group. It comes from the book of Hebrews in the 12th chapter. It says this, No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful, but afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Guys, thank you so much for joining us this week. See you next time on The New Normal.